I've been involved in worship ministry for, believe it or not, probably 20 years. And uh, I'm going to preach today. This just kind of worked out. Your worship leader wasn't here, and Pastor Lee texted me and said, oh, the worship leader's not going to be here. We can just play CDs. I said, no, we'll, do, we'll just do double duty. We'll just, we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> but what I was going to say about, add to that about worship is um, I've seen a lot of things in worship in these 20 years. And one of the things that concerns me is there's, a, there's an element of, per, there's always been a fight with worship music between what is really authentic and coming from our hearts and performance. And right now there's a little bit of a thing where people, we're working so hard to make worship awesome that people just kind of sit there and watch the team. And they're just like, they're just so awesome. And they're playing that and this and it's just, and I got to get a throat lozenge too. Let me get this. I've got some special ones in here that, I got one right here. You sing and speak and your throat gets tickly and, and weird. But um, vocal zone, these are amazing. If I can just get one out. But... Um, You know, the Lord was showing me 20 years ago that worship was going to, that a lot of the music in the church was going to rival that of the world. And that's, we're really seeing that now. We're seeing music in the church rival what's happening in the world. When I was cutting my teeth in worship years ago, um, a lot of times, and there's still this aspect too, but we'd like look at what's going on in the world and then try to copy that in the church. There's still a, a little bit of problem with that too. But... If you'll track with me here, more and more, the quality of what we're doing has gone up and up and up. And that's awesome, and it should happen. But a, a, neg a negative effect of that is that the church gets so used to that and sort of like entertained in a sense, and we just sort of deaden down and we just let the whole band do everything. So I want to encourage you, don't let the band do everything. Sing, shout. We've got to get to Amos 9-11 that says, in that day I will restore the house of David. The house of David wasn't about a slick, and I, I, don't, I, I think I've met your worship leader once or twice. This is no criticism of him. It's not about a slick presentation. The house of David is about the presence of God being in the midst of us. We're bringing our excellence, but the attention is to God and his presence. And in that tabernacle of David, and I wasn't even going to talk about this today, but in the tabernacle of David, I'm trying to get this lozenge to kind of really adhere to the roof of my mouth, but that's a little personal, but... Um, uh, they set up the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of the God would come. It's different from the tabernacle of Moses where it was hidden off and it was under, they say, maybe badger skins and only the high priest went in one time a year. 
before the presence of the Lord and would make petition for the sins of Israel. Well, in the tabernacle of David, that Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones, that Ark of the Covenant is sitting in the middle of the people in its own tent. They can see it and people gather all around it and worship. It's a type and shadow of what happens in heaven. And somehow David was walking in a forerunner, a grace, a prophetic, a prophetic anointing beyond what we understand. There were, as far as we know in scripture, there were 4,000 musicians that worshiped before the presence of the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They took shifts. This happened for 33 years. Is 33 important? For 33 years. There were 4,000 musicians. There were, we, know, we know there were maybe 200 singers. There were actually more musicians than singers. And they were, they, a lot of times they would make their own instruments. They were, they were the best of the best. They spent time with it. A lot of times, they, well, they were, we know they were from the tribe of Levi. And they had to know the whole word of God. How about that for, for being on the worship team? Well, do you know all of the word of God? There was this, we're going to do this thing as best as we can do it, but the, let me specify and I'll move on to something else. But the attention of all of this was always the Lord. And as good as we can get, and I love to, I've played with some incredible musicians and I love to. I love to really play with the incredible ones that are the most humble person in the room. I played with those, and I especially love those that don't have any ego. They're just in it for Him. We've got to get to this place where worship, He is the center. No matter if we have everything right and we have amazing, you know, team, or if it's just one person strumming a guitar, where He is the center, where He, we're all just gathered around Him. And yeah, that... You know really why the Lord has been doing that with our worship and our sound and our teams? Why it's, that's really uh, uh, something to draw in the lost. It's not to pacify the church. It's really to draw in the lost. And so, but I'll get off. I can talk about worship all day. Where we've come from and where we're going. And I'm excited. There are Awesome songs being written. We're living in a wonderful, really, renaissance, in a sense. That's where it's going, and it's only going to get better. But it's always got to be where the Lord is at the center of it. So that's not really what I want to talk about, but I did briefly. So let me pray, and, and we'll get into this. I don't even know what time it is. Oh my goodness, it's after 12. Well, I guess we got to go home. I don't, I don't know how long y'all stay. Well, Lord, bless this time. Anoint this time, Holy Spirit. Anoint this time. May we hear from you. May you be the center. May you be the center. Anoint this time. Anoint your, your, your word's already anointed. We're going to read from your scriptures. Lord, help us to have understanding. Help us, Jesus. 
We give you praise in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there, in Acts chapter 2, we know that's the beginning of the church. There's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and the church begins. This wonderful, beautiful, you know, they, they gathered in the upper room, and they knew the Holy Spirit was coming. They didn't completely know what the Holy Spirit looked like. It was really wild and woolly that day. There are uh, tongues of fire, and they're speaking in tongues. And it's such an amazing day that he gets up to preach, and you know his first words are, "We're not drunk." That's that's. Uh, um, is that going to happen with us one day when we're evangelizing? Well, I'm not drunk. <laughs> you're so full of God, you have to tell people you're not drunk. I'm going to skip over that. Peter is the one that stands up and says that. He quotes Joel 2. And this is what he says in verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your men servants... And on your maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So we know that was happening then. And it was just to keep continuing. It wasn't ever to stop this outpouring. It shall come to pass in the last days. That was, in a sense, the beginning of the last days. And how much farther along are we now in the last days? Is pouring out, pouring out. Now, when he pours out his spirit, what I like there, it says on all flesh. And see, they've come out of a time where they understood that, well, certain people had precedent, where the Jewish people had precedent with the Lord. But he's saying he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Jew, Gentile, Greek, at that time, slave, free. There were all types of things going on in that time. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Many will tell us today that there's more slavery in the, in the world that's ever been now. And, you know, that's a whole other topic. He's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Now, what happens when he pours out his spirit? Well, let me teach just a little bit on this aspect. Um, when you get saved, when you get born again, when you come to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in. But there's something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon. And when we grew up, it was often called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Pentecostals say the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I always found it fascinating that the Pentecostals and the Catholics said it the same way. Holy Ghost, Catholics say Holy Ghost. And then I got around some spirit-filled Catholics, and that was cool. But the Charismatics all want to say the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I started writing songs, and I wanted to put ghost in there again, Holy Ghost. There was just something kind of about it that I liked. But So when we get saved, the Spirit of God comes within us as a seal 
of your salvation. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you. He's pouring out His Spirit upon us. And there's this endowment of power. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, power. Power to do what? Power to prophesy. You see it here? Your sons and daughters. He covers everybody. Like I said, all flesh. Sons and daughters. Young men. Old men. Why do they say old men will have dreams? Well, they're falling asleep. (laughs) But we're actually going to talk about, I want to talk, I felt like the Lord told me to talk about dreams today. Specifically. It is a way that God communicates to us. Oftentimes, it's a prophetic way. We talk about prophesying. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us prophetically in dreams. I'm not talking about a dream that one day, you know, you'll do this or that. That's important too, to have those dreams that the Lord puts inside of you. But I want to talk specifically, and I felt like the Lord had some people here that needed to hear this and grow in this. Dreams that we all have, most of us, and if you're not having them, we'll pray for you. Dreams at night, the dreams that come. Some would say night visions, but things that come to us in dreams. God speaks in that. It's all throughout the Bible. It's one of the things that's said right there when we talk about the outpouring. He talks about they're going to prophesy, but what does he also say? He says the old men, but he's he's really just covering all these young men, old men, uh, maidservants, men's, he's covering everybody. But we're to be prophesying, we're to be having dreams when the Spirit of God is upon us. The oldest, does anybody know what the oldest book in the Bible is? Job, you are correct. Some of us would say Genesis. It is not Genesis. That is the first book, but the oldest book that we know is the book of Job. Not Job, Job. There's a very interesting scripture uh, in Job chapter 33. If you want to turn in your, in your phone to... Job 33, verse, let's see, we were going to look at 15, but it may start before then. Uh, Let's look at Job 33, 14. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the eyes, the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. The main two I want you to see there in a dream and a vision of the night, 15. When deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. This is the oldest book of the Bible. Many believe that Job was a contemporary of Abraham. There was an ancient understanding that God speaks in dreams. This understanding is all throughout Scripture. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. God speaks through dreams. 
And what you often see is how they embrace that. Well, you, not often, you always see there is no argument against it that God, you know, that, that God doesn't speak in dreams. That's an issue we kind of have to get over sometimes in modern or postmodern thinking because we've been westernized by Greek, Greco-Greek thinking that was all about reason and things that, well, it has to be real. I have to be able to feel it. And so they've pushed dreams over. And a lot of the church world has pushed dreams to the side. And then if they think about dreams, then they want to talk to to somebody in in, uh, psychology. I studied a little bit of psychology. And the people that study dreams, you don't want to have anything to do with what they have to say about dreams. There was a particular psychologist, uh, Carl Jung, that studied dreams. And this guy is tall in college. Maybe some of you studied him. He was, he's viewed as a, uh, a leader in modern psychology. You know where he got a lot of his information about dreams from? People in the occult. So, uh, you know, they want to learn from dreams too, but they're learning from the dark, you know, they're learning in darkness. Uh, we need a healthy understanding of how God speaks to us in dreams because he's going to speak to you. He's probably spoken to every one of you in a dream. It doesn't necessarily mean that we always understood it. I've had dreams that would be very plain before I even began to take training and classes and and how to look at dreams from a biblical perspective. I was actually dreaming when I was a kid, spiritual dreams. And in the last uh, several years, we had John Paul Jackson come out, our church, and then we picked up his classes. And he was a forerunner and really bringing back this understanding, this ancient understanding that the church had lost, that God speaks in dreams, speaks in incredible ways in dreams. So John Paul came to our church a lot, and then a lot of his... He had trained up others. He developed a curriculum. And, uh, and then I went through all those classes. And my, my, the leadership in my church uh, got to where they were training it and teaching it. And my former pastor, well, he's really still my pastor, Michael French. He goes all over the world and he'll teach people about dreams. And it's, it's really amazing how more, and, and some of the, you, this may not be a message for you today. I think it hits on all of us. Because if we're walking in the Spirit, God's going to speak to us. And this is one of the ways He speaks. But He goes all over the world and teaches on that. And, and I've seen that it's an international language. And I'll get into that a little later. But uh, like I said, and some of you, the Lord speaks to you more this way. Where to be a prophetic people, when you look in your Bible, when you look in, especially, I think it's 1 Corinthians 14. You say, well, I'm not a a prophet. Well, we're all called to be prophetic. 1 Corinthians 14 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. 
For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edifications and exhortations and comfort to men. He, speak, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul talks about, he's teaching, we're all to be a prophetic people, all hearing. We may not all be prophets, because later in Ephesians 4, 4, 11, 12, you see the, what's called the ascension gifts from the Lord himself. The, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. There are those that are walking in the office of the prophet. But we're all called to be hearing and seeing a people that were in tune with the Lord. And even that song we were singing, let us, be, let us become more aware, more sensitive in the spirit. I was thinking about this. A lot of times the messages that the Lord gives me, it's really just about helping people to become more aware and be more sensitive in the spirit. And I want to be that way too. God speaks to us in so many different ways. I've had him speak to me in a personalized car tag going down the road. Just some really unusual, like, how did they think to put that on their tag? And the Lord was speaking to me. Just unusual things. He speaks to us in thoughts and impressions. Some of us, he gives an, an utterance, and that's that prophetic. And David, and we're talking about David again, but he was such a type and shadow of Christ. He was king, he was prophetic. He was priestly. And so in his court, he had, he had Nathan the prophet and Gad the seer. So you had sort of this two, twofold, this two streams to the prophetic. And I'm really of the opinion more and more, if we're to be a prophetic people, then some of us are going to be more prophetic and some of us are going to be more seer. You see that in Scripture Samuel was actually called a seer. The prophet Samuel is called a seer. The seer, it's you see stuff. And some of us are going to see stuff when we're awake. And some of us are going to see stuff when we're asleep. Job was saying a lot of times God has to speak to us when we're asleep because that's when we're going to listen. He's got our attention. Let me tell you something about when you're sleeping. Your body is at rest. Your mind should be at rest. How many of you, you try to go to sleep and it's like you slept, but your mind was racing all night? Sure, your mind should really be at rest too. When your mind is really resting, when your body is resting, you're sleeping. And then you'll go in and out of that deep, what they call REM sleep. You'll go sort of in and out of it. Apple, or maybe not Apple, but there's an app. Somebody was, a good friend of mine was telling me about, he said, you need to put this on your phone. You can put it under your pillow. I don't know how this works. But it can wake you up when you're coming out. Of, it determines when you're in the deep sleep or not. And it will wake you up when you're not in the deep sleep. So you just wake right up. There's some app for that. It kind of blows my mind. that they've, It can somehow pick up when you're in deep sleep. Okay, well that's just technology. When you are at sleep, your body should be at rest. Your mind really should be at rest. But your spirit 
doesn't sleep. You're, you're, you're triune. You're created in the image of God. He is Father, Son, Spirit. He's triune. You are triune. You're created in His image. So your body, your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit. And when you're sleeping, your spirit does not, doesn't have to sleep. And that's why God can come and speak in dreams, visions of the night. And your spirit is just boom. And there may be some of you that may just dream all night. And you just fly all over. How many of you have flying dreams? A lot of, I would, I would expect maybe more than that. I've had flying dreams ever since I was really little. And I still have them. Flying dreams speak about a calling, a really a prophetic anointing to kind of go up. And hear and see the things the Lord would show you. I can remember some of the, uh, even having spiritual warfare dreams when I was eight, nine years old, and I didn't understand what it was. But there are different types of dreams that the Lord speaks to believers. And a lot of times, more often than not, believers' dreams will be a lot more detailed, vivid than people that aren't walking with the Lord. A lot of times their dreams will be very simple. And what's, in, what's fascinating is God will speak to the believer and the unbeliever in their dreams. And you see that in scripture. We're going to try to look at a little bit of the story of Joseph, the dreamer, in Genesis. And there's a lot of chapters there to look at. So I'm going to try to just jump through this. This is one of our, like I said, there are dreams throughout the word. But Joseph stands out because there are dreams all throughout the story. The story of Joseph is going to take four, five, six chapters. We're not going to go through all of that. We've heard the story of Joseph. A lot of us that have grown up in church, you've heard it in Sunday school. And a lot of times we kind of hit on these different points with his coat of many colors and, and all these. What, what I want to really emphasize to you today is the dream part of this. The dreams that are so prevalent in this story, this remarkable story. Once again, Joseph is also a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus himself. He's a redeemer. And he's already the Lord speaking to him about that. You may not be walking in your destiny in the Lord, but the Lord's speaking and prophesying and giving, giving you these little nudges and saying, yeah, this is what you're going to be doing. And sometimes we don't even know how that's going to play out. And Joseph's story is just an incredible story to us. And you can preach this from several different, several different angles. But I really want to go over the story of Joseph just to talk about dreams and how significant these God dreams that were. It picks up in Genesis 37. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. 
Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. They hated him even more. Now that's pretty bad, you know, God's speaking to you dreams. And we, you know, I, we don't know how well Joseph handled this, but they're hating him even more. So he said to them, verse 6, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. 7, there we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told this to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? I mean, we would probably say dreamt. Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. So you have two dreams. You know, the sheaves in the field, and they all bow down to his sheep. And then the other dream, the sun and the moon and the stars bow down to him. What's really interesting is they don't stop for interpretation. Joseph's the dreamer, but the brothers all know what the dream means. Then he talks about the next dream. And Jacob, his father, knows what it means. He knows that the sun and moon speaks to, that's, he's the sun and the moon is mama. There's a culture of dreaming. They, they just understand, they know. There's a spirituality there that we're not walking in. And, and what I'm here today is to stir that up again and say God speaks in dreams. This is prophetic as prophetic comes because it happened. Later on they would come and in a sense, bow down to him. That's exactly what happened. God speaks in dreams. And it's amazing how, you know, this is a form of prophetic. And we've, we've kind of lost it. We're regaining it. There's three acts here where dreams are significant. That's the first. He shares those dreams. Well, it doesn't go well with him. We know the story. His brothers want to do him in. They want to kill him. One of the brothers stands up and says, don't kill him. So they put him in a pit. He gets sold into slavery. He goes to Egypt. Everywhere you see him go, that purpose, that destiny is so strong upon his life, that favor... Joseph's given that coat of many colors, and we talk about that a lot, but that's a prophetic act too. 
He is eventually going to be the sec- he's going to be the ruler right under Pharaoh. Pharaoh says there's nobody it's you and me. He's given this even before he talks about these dreams his father gives him this coat of favor. This coat of blessing. Some of your translations say it was woven tapestries, it was expensive. He was already being given things like he was walking in that. And that was a prophetic thing. A lot of times others around you will begin to see what you're supposed to be walking in and they'll say or do things. There'll be things that are given to you, handed to you, and you're not even walking in that place yet. But others will begin to see it too. So he he sold into slavery. You'd think that was horrible. But he always ends up with tremendous favor and he ends up as such a leader. And even in Potiphar's house in Egypt, he's given the rule over the place. They just see such leadership. So Potiphar says, okay, you're, you're in charge of all of this. Well, we know that doesn't go too well either. Because Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and he runs off. And then she accuses him of a, a, attempted rape, basically, and he gets thrown into prison. So that's where I'm going to pick up now. I'm trying to cover a lot. This could be a mini-series on ABC, but I'm trying to cover it here. Genesis 40, if we skip over, he's in prison now. But once again, even in prison, he's, he's, he's like a higher up. He's always given leadership. They see it. Oh, Joseph, you need to be in charge of the prison. Even though you're an inmate, you're the head guy here in the prison. And the butler and the baker have dreams. The butler and the baker. And we're not playing, uh, what's that game that had the butler and the baker? Clue. Genesis 40, then the butler, verse 5. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night. Each man... Man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in his hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former matter when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and give me out of this house. And get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me in this dungeon. 
When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in a dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again. And he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Wow, I'm really glad it was just three days. Because, I mean, how, how would you deal with, you just told the guy, well, you know, you're going to be um, executed in three days. You know, many people, scholars, they've, they've said, well, the baker, something, had, maybe somebody had tried to poison the Pharaoh. And so he imprisoned those two guys. Because you got your chief butler, you got your baker. It turns out it's the baker. And he's the one that gets sex. That's what a lot of people have said. Now what I want to draw attention to in that dream is these are probably Egyptians and they're probably not people that believe in the Lord. We see that later with Pharaoh has the dream. But unbelievers have dreams. And a lot of times it's God showing. Notice the language. Who gives the interpretation? God does. That's what Joseph says. In verse 8, do not interpretations belong to God? So let's talk about this a minute. Let's talk about dreams. God can speak to us in dreams. The enemy can try to come. And a lot of times that's what we would call nightmares. The enemy can try to come and speak something. And then our flesh can just rise up and we can have a pizza dream. Or we ate something and we go to bed and we just have a crazy dream. Well, that crazy dream was probably just something out of your flesh. It probably was not the Lord. What we're really interested in are those God dreams. And you see God speaking that to people in the church and outside of the church. When we began to be taught about dreams, uh, we, would, we would do dream interpretation in the church, but we also would go out and use this as an evangelistic tool. Because, because what we found out, what was really interesting, and I bet we've all been in this situation, you start trying to talk to somebody about the Lord or spiritual things and a wall just goes right up. Well, let's talk about something else. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> or they don't say that, but you feel that. They could be talking to you about everything, and then you talk about something spiritual. Whoop. <laughs> what we found out with dreams, you start talking about people about their dreams, and those walls just come down. And they begin, you begin to talk to them about spiritual things. And so we started doing that, and then we take teams out. And uh, years ago, we were doing this uh, with different events in Birmingham. And does anybody remember City Stages? 
they had for years. And finally, they just went so into debt that I think it just went bankrupt and shut down. But uh, we started going to city stages. And we did that three or four, as many years. We were there at the last one they did, or at least my church was. I can't remember if I went to the last one. But um, first year we went, we'd just been trained in this dream interpretation, prophetic ministry. And we didn't really know what we were doing. And we would try to just talk to people. We would send out teams. And that's a little difficult, we learned, at a music festival because people are moving. They'll go listen to somebody over here. And then they'll go, they want to run off to this stage. And you try to stop them and say, hey, have you had a dream? And they just look at you like you're a nut. And then they keep walking. So that first year we went, we would talk to the vendors and we would talk to the guards because they weren't going anywhere. So we went to one of the news, all the news people were there. And I don't know if it was CBS or ABC, you know, they'd all have their little kiosk and booths. And that's what we did eventually. We had our own booth set up. The last few years we did it. We just, oh, we can get a booth? Well, we'll just set up a booth and they'll come to us. And I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But um, we went and it was one of these local news affiliates. And there was a young lady sitting there. And they're giving out Frisbees or stickers or, you know, they're wanting you to know about what they're doing. Well, we're wanting him to know about what he's doing. So we walk up and we say, well, we've been studying dream interpretation from, and, and, and we don't always, we wouldn't always say biblical or anything. We just say, we've been studying dream interpretation. And uh, could we practice? If you've got a dream, you've been wondering about what's happening. And so this young lady, she said, yeah. And so one of the things that we would study We'd study what different things mean. We'd study about symbols in dreams. Because I said some dreams can be very just plain and you just know, but a lot of dreams are very symbolic. God speaks in a symbolic language, parabolic language. You see that in the words of Jesus, these parables. So we would study, we'd, we'd say, well, typically, you know, a dog, if you have a dream with a dog, if you grew up liking dogs, that speaks of a friend. Maybe you grew up and you were afraid of dogs, that could speak of something evil. And then every color, red could speak of passion, it could speak of love, it could speak of even prayer. If it's negative, it could speak of war and hostility and anger. So we would study these symbols. And you can study those things. You, you can study what other people have studied and they've found to be true and the Lord's led them and even what numbers can speak of. But at the end of the day, you've got to really be listening to the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to be out on, you know, you're going to be interpreting a dream and have no grid for it. And that's the dream that popped up. But the Lord is faithful. When we step out, you know the scripture, he gives us the words to say. So this young lady, she said, well, yeah, I've had this dream. And, and multiple dreams usually speak of something too. You say, well, I've had this dream several times. So she said, yeah, I've had this dream since I was a kid. And it's kind of silly, you know, that preference, uh, uh, not preference, that preface. Uh, she said, okay, okay, here it is. I'm in my pajamas and the Partridge family is chasing me through the house. 
For those of you that are older and remember the Partridge family, they were kind of like the singing Brady Bunch. Now, there was no grid for that. There was no symbols that I studied about the Partridge family chasing this young lady through her house. And the Lord just speaks to me when I hear her say that. And I just think of Partridge family and I think of talent. I said, I said, yeah. I said, talent has been chasing you all of your life. And she starts shaking. She is visibly moved. I just said, talent. And I didn't know that not only is she a girl just sitting there in the kiosk, she's one of those on-air people, young reporter that's on TV, and they call that the on-air person the talent. And she is just, and it was just a simple little thing that boom, the Lord, the, the interpretation belongs to the Lord. She didn't know it. It was silly. And all of a sudden, just like that, there's revelation in her life. And she's absolutely shaking. She said, uh, how, how did you do that? <laughs> you know? I said, well, we've been studying from a biblical perspective. We're believers, we're Christians, and we believe God speaks in dreams. And she got so just beside herself, she wrote my number down. She said, we want to do a, uh, we want to do a segment on this, and, but I don't know what happened to that. You know, maybe they forgot about it, or maybe it was too far out for them to deal with. Maybe she ran to the producer and they said, What? <laughs> But she didn't get, you know, they didn't get back to me. But it was a God moment outside of the church. And it was talking about dreams. Uh, let's continue with this story of and just a little bit on Joseph. It's 41 when he's with Pharaoh. They, eventually, they do remember Joseph. You know, last time we looked at it, he was forgotten. The butler got lifted back into his position, and he forgot about Joseph. But then in 41, Pharaoh has a dream. Chapter 41 of Genesis, then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamt a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed, it was a dream. It came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one that could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. 
When Pharaoh was angry with his servant and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and he told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. It came to pass just he interpreted for us, so it happened. And he restored me to my office and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Now just think about that. That's where we need to be as a church where even a pagan king would call for us and say, you can do something nobody else can do. That's where we got to be as a church. Again, this is the Old Testament. This is the Old Covenant. And, and, and this is a remarkable story, and it, it really challenges me. Can we be a people walking so near to the Lord that a pagan, you know, right now our problem in the world is all the pagans hate the United States. They just think about all, just how ugly we are to them. Well, what if we walk in such a favor that they would call us and say, there's something in you that I need. I want to get there, y'all. 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. We'll skip down to 16. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. See, Joseph gives it. He says, it's the Lord. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. It's God. Pharaoh tells him these dreams. We've heard the dreams. And then if you skip down to verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh that he, what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven thin and ugly cows came up after them are seven years, and seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them seven years of famine will arise. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following. For it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring it to pass. And what happens in the rest of the story is he said, you're going to need to put a man in charge that can store up. There's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. You need to put a man in charge that can store up and, and be ready for what's coming. And Pharaoh looks out and says, you're the man. <laughs> it's a remarkable story. It's amazing. But what I really want to talk about are the dreams that are just all throughout this. First, Joseph has these dreams. He's going to be a leader. He doesn't understand it. He's even hated for it. You can't get much more, you know, we, we Christians in our, with our first world problems, we live in one of the most blessed nations in all the world. But you can't get much worse than your own family persecuting you for gifts and calling in your life. Some of you walk through that. 
Your own family doesn't understand it. They might even mock it. Well, you see that in Joseph's life. I hope your own family doesn't sell you into slavery. That's where it gets pretty bad. So don't whine so much about it. There's somebody in the Bible that's went through a lot worse, y'all. This happens. He's in prison. And he wasn't even supposed to be in prison. But it's all part of God's plan. He interprets the dreams accurately. And then it even takes a few more years. And he's standing before the king, pretty much the guy that in that day he's over everything. It's Egypt. It's Pharaoh. And who has given Pharaoh this dream? Pharaoh doesn't, he doesn't serve the Lord. But he gets a dream from God. And then he needs an interpreter. And that's Joseph. God dreams. They happen. They happen to believers. They happen to unbelievers. My wife and I, when we were first married, we went on a, a, a missionary trip down into Mexico. Way down on the Pacific coast. Down below Guadalajara. Monsonillo, Mexico. She knew a missionary down there. She'd gone to church with her. She's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and the Lord had just supernaturally, she was speaking Spanish. She didn't take classes. And, and she stood out. If you'd have just looked at her in the natural, you'd thought she'd stick out like a sore thumb. Blonde-headed, I mean bright blonde, naturally. Allison's is bright blonde, but it's, I can say it's not naturally. She won't beat me up. But this girl, just bright blonde, blue eyes, and she's ministering to Latino people way down in Mexico. And she's just speaking Spanish just like that. Just So we go down there. She's been working with an orphanage. But then the Lord leads her to start working with gang kids. She goes out just fearless. She goes out at night. And the gang kids don't really start hanging out till like 10 o'clock at night. So that's we're down there with her for a week. And... and and we were thinking we could get away. It's, it's on the water and it was going to be beautiful, but we're going to visit this missionary too. She had us going, doing stuff every day, every night. She had us minister, preach some little church here, go here. And little churches, and it's, it's summertime in Mexico. And, it, it, and, and we had air where we were sleeping at night, but we'd go with her and preach in the church, no air. You think it's humid? It's been hot in the last few weeks. Go down. <laughs> Uh, closer to the equator and hang out, you know. But so we're doing this. And then one night she says, I really want you to go out with me and we're going to hang out with these kids. And, um, you know, my grid had always, I had grown up in church. My dad's a pastor and, and that was just a little off the grid for me. But we did it. And so she had a guitar and maybe I brought some harmonicas. And what she would do, she'd, she had a pretty nice SUV. She'd drive it up. She'd open all the doors and start playing music, and they'd sort of gather. And some of them would break dance and stuff. So I, she said, well, you could just play the guitar, and then maybe we could talk to them. So I played and sang a little bit. And, and they, you know, they thought that was cool. And one of the kid said John Lennon or something like that and looked at me. But uh, didn't speak English, but said John Lennon. Um, <laughs> But then there was this, you could tell there was sort of this divide. 
we were sort of sitting on one part and then they were sort of over away from us. They weren't really engaged in talking to us. And all of a sudden I had gone through this training and I said, we, we should interpret some dreams. And I told her that and she just looked at me like, you are crazy. What are you talking about? And uh, because you got to think this was maybe 10 years ago and this was just early. This was coming back into the church. She'd never really heard of it. I said, yeah, we've been, we've been taught. We've been taking these classes on dream interpretations. We should try this. And after about the third time of talking to her, she's okay, all right, we'll, we'll do that. So she went over to him and uh, said, hey, this guy is a dream interpreter. Have you, any of you got dreams? Oh, yeah, several of them. So they started kind of one at a time sort of coming over. And it was great for me because I had just started in it, and so I've got more time now. I talk to her, she talks to them, there's this, this language barrier, so there's more time to communicate. So that gives me more time to process the dream. So we're talking, and by the end of the night, they don't want us to go. They're all right here in front of us, even the leader, even though he's looking at me with a glare in his face, like I could just kill you like that. But he's looking at me and listening to what's going on. I mean, they're right in front of us. They got their bags of Corona or something. They're all right here. We've got full attention just because of silly, just interpreting dreams. The little girl we spent the most amount of time with, with her dreams, the Lord was already showing me intercession in her life and gifts of intercession. She's not even walking with the Lord. For there's a gift to bear burdens for others. You can see gifts of God that people put in people out in the world. They're not walking in it fully. Little girl we spend the most amount of time with, we leave and go back to the States, but eventually the missionary gets her saved. She even moves in with the missionary for a little while. And there's a born-again experience that comes out of that. And that just, I've never forgotten that. We've not done enough of that, but it just blows my mind. Dreams are, it's, it, everybody, God speaks to everybody in dreams, no matter where you are in the world no matter where you are. And uh, she wasn't walking with the Lord, just like Pharaoh, but God was speaking to her. And um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about that. I'm going to go over some briefly, because you, you can spend hours and weeks in seminars, but I'm going to go over briefly some symbols. And then if anybody has any question, or if someone has a dream, we're going to try to interpret it. Can we do that? And I know it's getting late, and I don't, it's quarter after one, but I just felt like that's what the Lord did. And then there's a few other things I feel like the Lord showed me. So I don't know if this is what you're expecting, but I felt like that's what the Lord said. Talk about dreams. So symbols, if this interests you, if you want to write it down, colors speak of a lot of things. I had a dream, and I dream a lot. I had a dream just a few months ago. I was hanging out with a big angel and he was all dressed in red. So red can speak of prayer. When it's positive, a lot of times these things are positive. They can have positive, negative, positive meanings and negative meanings. Red can speak of prayer. It can speak of love, sacrifice. 
it can speak of authority. But on the negative, it can speak of anger, like I said, hostility, rage. Blue can speak of uh, anointing and revelation. There was a blue, and a lot of times you say, well, where does this come from? Well, a lot of these people have studied the word, and there's colors in the word, and they've said, well, this, you know, they've studied this out. But blue was on the priestly garment. A red is also a color, a priestly color. Blue is often associated with revelation. If it's negative, it's depression. The blues, you got the blues. Don't have the blues. But blue can be revelation. Uh, And I say this because this can happen in your dreams, but this can happen when you minister to people. I'll be ministering to people and I'll start seeing colors. I'll see, I was, uh, in, I've been in worship times and see colors all over. Sometimes the Lord will open your eyes in the spirit and you'll see colors on people and, and worship. So this is, this has to do with your dreams, but it also has to do with vision and things that you see. I've ministered to people and just see brilliant colors light up. Um, yellow speaks of hope and a renewed mind. If it's negative, it can be fear, you know, like a, a yellow down their back. Um, orange speaks of perseverance. And I'm not sure what the negative is. Black, you know, we think black is always going to be evil. Well, you could have a dream and see a black form, and yeah, that could be evil and demonic. What if it's good? I had a dream. I was going down uh, to the Gulf Coast, and I was in, in, in for real. I was going to go meet a prophetic minister down there. Uh, I'll just tell you, it was it was John, it was Paul Keith Davis, and have you ever heard of Sean Bowles? I think Sean Bowles speaks at Bethel some. Well, he spent some time down in Orange Beach years ago with Paul Keith Davis. And so before I went, Paul Keith had come to something we'd had in Birmingham, and he said, I want you to come down and hang out with us a day or two. And I I didn't know, but I just thought, okay, I'll go down there and meet these guys. Well, I had a dream before I went, and we were eating at a certain location, and then I saw this black Harley Davidson drive around, and Sean Bowles was on that black Harley Davidson. Well, black can speak of the unknown of God, the mystery, the depth. There's scriptures that talk about how he, he in, in Psalms, and talk about he's in the, the darkness where the, the just there's, there's this mystery. The black can speak to that. And Sean Bowles walks in the, he has an understanding of mysteries that the Lord's given him. Now that played out. I went down there and I visited with them and, and then, they said, hey, we want to, let's go eat at this place. And we went to eat at this place in Orange Beach. I think it's called Tacky Jacks or something. It was exactly the place in my dream. And some of y'all are going to have that. You'll dream, about, you'll dream about a place and then you'll go there. I've had that happen, I can't tell you how many times. Dream about a church or a house or a restaurant. And then, I, you know, the world calls it deja vu. God calls it prophetic. I'm showing you where you're going. So black can speak of depth and mystery when it's good, and then we know it can be evil. White, 
White speaks of purity and righteousness and holiness. But if it's evil, white can speak of of a counterfeit to that. You know, the word says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. I've seen that happen. Where something comes in and it's trying to act like it's an angel, but it's really a demon. And it's lit up and it's white. That's when you need the Holy Spirit in you to discern and know, well, you're not who you're pretending to be. I've actually seen that. But white, it's righteous, it's purity, it's holiness, but if it's, if it's bad, it's counterfeit. It's trying to act like it. Purple, we've heard for years, we know is royalty. Uh, it's governmental. Purple is governmental. And I'm not sure what the negative is on that. Numbers speak of things. Brown, a lot of times on color, brown is compassion, humility. Um, and sometimes the negative with some of those, it's just the counter of that. It's like, it's a false humility. But numbers can speak of things. We know five is the number of grace. We know six is the number of man. We know seven is, is completion. We know three is God's number. Two is companionship. One is, is just sort of solidarity. Four um, it speaks of the earth, four winds, the four corners. It speaks of creativity and motion and momentum. Four winds, the four corners. Eight is new beginnings. Nine can speak of, uh, there's nine fruit of the Spirit. There's nine gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians, is it 13, 12 in there? Um, We know 11, the number 11 a lot of times speaks of the prophetic transition. Some people say 10 speaks of pastoral. 12 is a governmental number. There were 12 tribes. There were 12 disciples. 12 is a a government, God's government. And then there's even things you'll see in other numbers, and sometimes numbers, you know, will you can add or so you might get numbers in a dream. And I know the last time we were here, you kept talking about three three and seeing threes, and I see I've been seeing three 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 a lot. And five five five. Five is grace and multiplied grace. And sometimes you'll have numbers in dreams and that'll direct you to scriptures. I had a dream and somebody wrote out two checks and they wrote out 368, 368, like $368. And I got up and I went to Psalm 36.8. Psalm 36.8 says, He will be abundantly satisfied with the fullness of my house and I will make him to drink from the river of my pleasures. I said, okay, God. Abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. Psalm 36.8 It was a few months later, Allison had a dream and saw the same psalm in it. Psalm 36 was written out. And so we knew the Lord was directing us to that scripture. Some of your prophetic people like uh, Graham Cook says there are inheritance scriptures. There are certain scriptures the Lord will just highlight to you. And what I do is I'll just pray them and pray them and pray them. So the 333 thing for me was Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me. And I will answer and show you great and mighty things you do not know. So I've been praying that. I looked in the Amplified, the great and the mighty, great and mighty things you do not know. Great and mighty is fenced and hidden things. 
things that were fenced off that we could not get to, hidden things that we could not see, these things will be opened up to us. So, does anybody have a question about a symbol or does anybody have a dream? And we'll try to interpret it. It's pretty exciting when you get into dream language. I'll give you one more, I'll give you a few more examples. And there's different types of God dreams. When we start looking at dreams in here, there will be destiny dreams, there will be directional dreams, there will be intercession dreams. Years ago, before I got into any of this training, I was uh, in college, I was still living at home, and my little brother Michael, who Paul knows, Michael was graduating high school, and I had a dream. And a lot of times these God dreams, too, you would just wake up with just this, wow, just this intense, you know, what was that? So I had a dream, and I woke up really early, which is, was not typical of me at that time, but, and, and sometimes not now. But uh, I had a dream, and in the dream, I was... I, went to, I worked at a furniture store in Warrior, and in the dream, I went in the store, and the guy working with me looks up at me, he sa- and he said, I'm sorry. he said, I'm sorry to hear about your brother. And he hands me the obituary page, and it just, it's like it just turns on like a television. And I see my little brother in the little truck that he had, and I see him, he's in a wreck, and he's killed. And I wake up out of that dream. What do you do with that? <laughs> Well, what I've learned, if it's a God dream, you pray it in faith. So we pray. I went and got my dad, and we prayed a prayer of faith. We said, well, if something's trying to happen, we pray that Michael would be protected, that he'll be all right. So you pray in faith, and you also do things in your life. So my little brother was wanting, he was just first starting to drive, and he wanted to go visit some people. Uh, uh, We had grown up. We were in Warrior, but we had come from Haleville, Alabama, so we wanted to drive up northwest and visit some old friends of his. And my dad said, maybe you shouldn't do that this weekend. And he waited. Well, you know what? The next week, he had the wreck anyway, and he walked away from it. And we just prayed, and the Lord showed us something, and we prayed. So sometimes you have those, but it happened. But what did not happen was he was not killed. 